Hello, Podnutians. Welcome to The Makers, episode 21, Door Door Geek. Uh, back here from Orlando, Podfest. Cheers. Um, had a lot of fun, met a lot of good people, but we missed a week of The Makers. Um, well, this is a show all about building, breaking, and learning. And uh, this evening, we are joined first and foremost by the manager himself, Eric R. R. Dini. How's everything going, man? Crazy here, Eric. Oh, wait. No, you're not. You suddenly walked away. Um, we're also joined this week by uh, James. Uh, how's everything going, man? Uh, it's going pretty good. Yeah, been a productive couple of weeks since I was last on. Um, yeah, staying real busy. Well, here's the real question I have for you. You are unbelievably busy in all fields, building, breaking, and learning. Do you ever have time to do personal projects and non-work-related projects? No. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> my job uh, allows me to do all the stuff I'd want to do anyway if it was personal projects. So I can't really complain, you know. Um, but no, no. It's like I work for a company that builds – well, I'm a freelancer, but my main work is – for a company that builds gaming PCs. And I've had about four hours to game since I started working for them <laughs> oh, <laughs> in the last uh, over a year. So yeah, very, very little time for personal projects, some stuff here and there, but uh, yeah, you know, getting to do gaming PC stuff is kind of what I was doing on the side before anyway. So I can't complain. Uh, that's at least a plus I'll say. Um, well, I know you've done lots of building and learning but have you done any breakage um it's probably the wrong podcast for it but i broke my phone um software wise anyway i got it working again hacking around on my phone and it's not rooted so you know forgot i just didn't have backups to (laughs) fix things that i messed up uh broke a couple end mills just through sheer stupidity and trying to teach somebody how to use a cnc mill um were you teaching them the wrong way? No, my own stupidity for one of the end mills and um, they're learning the hard way for the other couple of end mills. Um, trying to teach somebody I trade work with kind of how to run a mill. So that takes a little bit of the workload off of me. I can do a little bit more programming and stuff. Um, nice. Yeah. I broke my computer for a while. <laughs> had a hard drive die. That was fun. Everything was backed up, though. Uh, yeah, computers always die. That's one of the facts of life. And phones, if it's an Android phone, most of the time if it dies, at least you can take it back to factory and build it back up. The only question is how much time are both of those things going to take? Yeah, I wound up having a factory reset it. And uh, it's a pixel. And that, honestly, like nowadays, uh, it reloaded everything pretty much. I just had to log into stuff again, load it up on my apps and everything pretty seamlessly. So... But yeah, there's all those little things like, you know, finding all my little obnoxious ringtones I like and stuff like that. <laughs> you know. Right. Roger, Roger. Uh hey, hey Eric, uh you are back now. You were in Orlando with me for the Podfest uh conference. Did you have any time during the last time we talked to you to do any building, breaking or learning? Um I made I, I no, I haven't broken anything. I did try to tighten my belt um after I was on the show last time because my circles weren't perfectly round. And uh it started slipping and stuff after I did that, so I'm not sure what I got to do there. I don't have um, 
the end pieces where uh, the belt goes around. I don't have the screw type things where it tightens that way. On the under two, it's um, a little more manual. So I, I, do, I did have to do some tr- tweaking on that, but it it, uh, it came back to normal. Um, the only thing I really built since then was uh, this this keychain that I'm showing in the in the people who are watching the live stream. I don't know if you guys are used to uh, have Aldi's um, grocery stores around your place. Yeah, we no? have those here. Uh, we used to have those when I lived in Cincinnati. I don't really have them up here. So the big trick with Aldi's is you have to have a quarter to get a cart. Um, and so I, I built this little keychain that um, you can press a quarter in, so you always have a quarter, and then you pop it out and use it while you're in Aldi's. Cause that's the oh, thing, I man. forgot you, about that. You pull yeah, into Aldi's and you like, don't have any change, you can't get a cart. I that's, thought the real way. print trick was to print the uh, token, the plug that goes in that you take back out. I've seen those floating around. Yeah, too. I, see, I would feel really bad if that broke off in one of their cards. And then my wife also thought somehow that was cheating, but... I don't know. We still would put the cart back where it ended. I don't know. Yeah, I saw that same thing. Thingiverse did have that item also, but I, I went with the uh, the legit coinage. I've never been in an Aldi's. The wife went and she complained about that. I don't know. I, I Carts, that's just part of having a store, I think. It's part of not paying yeah, anybody to not pick them up these. from the lot. Yeah, at, yeah, we have one of them here, and the wife always has a quarter sitting in either car's um, middle console, so we should be good. as long Until a kid figures out, hey, that's a quarter, I can take it. Um, we're also joined this week by um, Knucklehead Tech. Hey, man, uh, how's everything going? Uh, everything is going fantastic. Um, just uh, printing stuff and hoping to learn a few good things from people that are smarter than me. Well, uh, first and foremost, was there anything that you printed that you thought turned out really good? I don't know if it was really good um, so much as it was a good, a well-designed model that I grabbed. Uh, it was a T-Rex. The hell did they, uh, what the heck did they call it? It was a T-Rex skull, basically. And I printed it at 100%, and I'm going to go do this thing, a Q&A about 3D printing. You know, the guy that's about the biggest noob here is going to go do that. And uh, so I printed it 200% on the CR-10. It's as big as I could fit it on there. And, I mean, I should have thrown supports on one little spot, but I just figured, screw it. Let's just let it go and see how it turns out. And man, it's really, it's really nice. It's a, it's a great design. Uh, that was the one that there was an issue with the tongue not setting correctly, correct? No, that's the banjo dinosaur. Um, the banjo is like a, a dinosaur head that you, like, like you had mounted deer head on the wall. Well, this is like you mount a banjo dinosaur head on the wall. If you look at the x-ray view, you can see that the tip of the tongue is attached, but it looks like the rest of the tongue is attached, but it's not. Um, I'm going to try and mess with that and fix that. But no, this is just the T-Rex skull. Um, I can drop a picture somewhere, but I just don't have a handy right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, did you do any breaking? And what I wanted to ask you was, you're a Linux weenie like myself. Um, you've went through more than a couple pieces of software trying to um, do some designing are you leaning towards any of those tools? Yeah, I, I broke the printer I'm going to talk about today just because, you know, you can always make things better. There's no sense in leaving things alone. So I wanted to be quieter, so I changed this, and I wanted the parts cooler to be that, and it was all jacked up, and I finally returned it back to the way it was. I, mean, I had it working pretty good, but I was just trying to – the retraction, I had the retraction speed set right, but the parts cooling was off just enough. I had the stringing that was just bugging me. Um, and finally, I said, I said, screw it. I'm just going to 
design my own thing for it. Forget what everyone else think, think of us as because it just doesn't work for me. Um, as far as designing goes, yeah, I've messed with OpenSCAD. I mess with you know all these different things for Linux. And if I had time, I mean, you could get so far with my ability. OpenSCAD would work for a while because you know I don't know anything yet. But not having time to really learn it to to push through it. I'm just going to throw a Windows drive. I've got three drives in my one laptop. I'm going to throw a Windows drive in there. I'll boot over for Fusion 360, and then I'll reboot back for, you know, everyday life. Gotcha, gotcha. And I don't like to admit this on any level to anybody, um, but um, I have a 1080G um, a GTX 1080 video card sitting here that physically doesn't fit in any computers I have. I'm going to order a case for the one computer. It's an i5 like two generations old, 16 gigs of RAM box that I use for my streaming. I'm thinking that's where I'm going to put the card and I'm going to turn that computer into a dual boot computer with Windows, whatever the hell, I don't know if it matters, just so I can use Fusion 360. But here's what I'm thinking. Me being me, I can't just expect to open up the application and start to do things and learn. I, I have to set really small footprint goals of what I want to learn, what I want to design to actually do, but they also need to serve, serve some kind of basic function. Like I can take almost any geometric shape, trawl it out, size it out, extrude it out, make it a shell, that kind of thing with no problem. But if I have to take like part of it off, that's where I just get hit like a, a, a complete brick wall. So I'm, I think it's what I'm going to have to do. Uh, unfortunately, that's probably not going to be for at least a couple of weeks. But if anyone has basic ideas of what to do for basic learning inside these tools, share them with us uh, at the makers at podnuts.com. Um, because, you know, sometimes with the experts, it's hard to see the basic, basic, basic stuff. Uh, and I am no expert, but I'm so basic, I'm having a hard time. Yeah, there's a link I'll put in the chat I'm looking for right now with some real basic Fusion 360 courses. Also, I'm happy to do some kind of live stream sometime and, you know, answer questions or show people how to do stuff, you know, if they want to, you know, learn how to do Boolean operations, you know, subtracting and adding the stuff or, or uh, sculpting or something like that in Fusion. I'm happy to do something like that. In your spare time. Well, yeah, <laughs> in my spare time. Apparently, I've got Friday evening every now and then, so. <laughs> I think the uh, the biggest thing to overcome or to start with is remembering that it's a parametric software because it's easy to just whip something up but then to go back and be able to change it and have it not break things that's where you have to have an order of operations or plan ahead yeah i'll say yeah too even though i have no idea what you're talking about um <laughs> we're also joined by liam uh hey liam there's little doubt in my mind you've been busy since the last time we actually sat down and did a show um Building, breaking, and learning. I'm going to ask you to take one of those and uh, tell us what you've been doing. Oh, boy. Um, I've learned a lot, but none of it's uh, – that's all business stuff and how customers are horrible and evil. <laughs> I, I, I built – I haven't done a lot of building. The, the, the newest thing I've built is this cup here I've got. Um, we've been doing some gaming, some, me and some friends. Uh, maybe you guys have heard of D&D or something like that. And uh, – I have a little rolling cart that I keep all my stuff in, and I don't want all the pins and pencils rolling around on the top of that cart, so I made a cup that I can hang off the side of the cart. Um, this is the same kind of cup I'd done for my son. They can hang off the side of his bed so his water doesn't tip over and 
soak his bed. Um, so separable parts, so you can do different size clips on there. And it's sized just perfect for a can of monster, also, as it so happens. How um, convenient. That's, that's about all I've really designed or built lately. Just been... I, I would say I've been busy with work, but I've been busy at work is maybe more accurate. That That is a pro- prolific <laughs> like design. That. There's actually another one of those in the background of you right now attached to that cart. You got, you got they're all over the place. <laughs> Indeed. Um, one of those is actually set aside for my son. I just printed two of the clips for mine. I didn't measure his. I keep forgetting to measure the, uh, the bed to get the actual clip size I need for his. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Um, hey, hey, Chad, I see you joined us. I uh, hope everything's going well. And uh, just wondering if you've done any building, breaking, or learning. Yeah, everything's going good. Hopefully you can hear me. Um, yeah, it's a lot of building. I've, I've done a couple of display things with lights and a big dome thing and um, a lot of customer prints. Um not a lot of like for myself doing work. It's um, been really busy with customer work. That's but a good thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, the the one thing you made I thought was cool because it wasn't just CNC or just three D printing, but you printed a translucent disco ball and you made a light inside of it that flashed. Um, can I ask what went into that? Yeah, so that was for a guy that's got a DJ wedding DJ thing. And he wanted his logo was a disco ball with a crown on it and stuff. And I basically took his, and my dog's going crazy. Um, I took his logo and um, made it a 3D print. And um, I added some felt to the bottom of it and some fluffy little clouds with uh, some poly... Uh, basically stuffing for like the toys and stuff. stuff. And uh, yeah, exactly. And it turned out really, really well. And the guy was super happy about it. And now he wants three more. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, 60 bucks every shot. So, you know, and it made a little crown with some jewels on it and stuff. And his, his, uh, company name on it and stuff so it was kind of cool very cool that see to me that that's the that's the kind of making you had a purpose behind it it wasn't like you just thought to yourself i want to make this or i saw it on thingiverse but when you have there's no better way to learn and to do than to have somebody say look i'll give you money if you do this and you think to yourself i, I, I like money and then you know what comes out is a pleasant surprise of really nice stuff and then he wanted more so that's just confirmation of what you did was right yeah, and it was super fun. Um, combining some crafting stuff, I, I like crafting and making, you know. And he was just like, "Oh, just the disco ball, maybe the crown or whatever," you know. And I'm like, "Well, let me put my little flare on it." And I thought it turned out very well. He's very happy with it, um, and it was fun to make. So I don't know the second and third one, maybe not so much fun to make, but because <laughs> then it becomes. <laughs> Um, a chore at a certain point, but um, that's the job I got into, I guess. So, and then I've gotten quite a few customers that are like prototype. I got a guy that's prototyping a, not even quite sure what it is, but he's got me printing out some parts so that he can test and stuff and designing some stuff for him. And that's all from doing these um, 
home shows and different craft shows and stuff. It's so that's been paying off pretty well. First off, didn't think I was going to hear Chad Corey say the word flare, but let's not go there. Um, honestly, that's really cool. And I understand when the repetitive work comes, it becomes repetitive, but you know, it pays the bills, you know, um, I'm just happy that you're busy. Yeah. Like making these clocks and stuff. Once I've done them once, it's kind of boring to go back and do the same program over again. It's like, Oh, come on, let me do something different on it. You know, but I've got a guy that wants, I did a clock for him. Now he wants one for every member of his family. And so I'm doing six more of them, <laughs> but it's money in my pocket. So, and it's fun to do, I guess, you know, I'm trying to make it more efficient each time I do it. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, does anybody have any, um, beginner or intro topics that they would like to broach? Make a brooch on my 3d printer. Sure. Why not? Uh, where was I at some, Oh, I was at work where a guy said when he left to work, he had to go to K jewelers. And I said, why do you understand the markup on that thing? And there's nothing unique about that. You should get yourself a 3d printer. You could print print or something that means more. Uh, I, I don't know if he agreed with me. Was he, um, was it like right before Valentine's Day or something? Of course, was he... it was the day. Yeah. It was the day of Valentine's Day. Oh, I'm sure the, <laughs> the, the panic buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a bunch of people ask me, "Oh, could you do this?" You know, on like Monday, and then <laughs> Valentine's Day is on Wednesday. Uh, could you do this? And I'm like, yeah, for next Valentine's Day. Right now, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm all out of TPU. Yeah, it just people don't realize that it does take some time to do things, you know? Right. Um, one question I wanted to ask you guys is software does seem to be ever evolving in this maker space to, you know, say that, but I've seen more than a couple of pieces of software that I've tried. I haven't tried now in a couple months. Is there anything in the last month or two that has either gotten better? A new version came out that has reasons people should experiment with or try with, uh, or, or just a complete new piece of software that, uh, people might have missed well i would say kira their last release is very very good um you can do multiple different setups on each part that's in your on your bed so you can have different infill for different parts um and then they did implement the um that new style of the tree they call it a tree support so you can do the fingers off of a base support and that cuts down on your support material a little more efficient of their support material and they've just got some really new tweaks and stuff in there you know and that's going into your advanced and uh you know playing with those settings it takes a little bit to get used to the new settings but they're really improving that software yeah, that was a big update. I haven't played around with it a whole lot, but I looked at it briefly and it added a lot of stuff. Yeah, that tree support is um, actually made for uh, being able to print with resin printers. That's the kind of support you need for resin printers when their parts are hanging upside down. That's, uh, I mean, it saves on material too, but that's like what it's designed and meant for. Yeah, it is designed. It was originally designed for that, but it does work for what we you know the oh, ftm yeah, yeah, it works yeah. really nicely Plus it only contacts like certain little points right because like it leaves less mark off when you're bridging something you only need something like maybe halfway through it you know and yeah. 
they I a while back they did add where you could do it create supports only at the angles that you specify, you know, at so that you don't like my printer does fine at up to about fifty five degrees or whatever of of angle. So I when the I think factory they would do forty five or whatever, so I tend to set mine for 50, 60 degrees of angle and cuts down on my where the supports have to be. So it's kind of nice. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, the one piece of software I'll say I did try again, but I still did not have good success with it was I, Idea Maker. Um, the real reason I wanted to use that was that was one of the few applications I saw uh, that would allow me to do the uh, cutting of an STL while it's like sitting on my bed, I could cut it. Yeah. And, but I, I still had a very difficult time getting it, getting all my settings into it correctly and have it actually generate G code. It's still super buggy for me. I'm kind of starting to give up on it a little bit. I've tried using it again and again, hoping that they've, I, I go back and check and see if they've done any updates and they just don't update. It's, I don't know. Um, it's got some features I like, but not enough to actually really work through the problems. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I want to take one second here. Uh, thank John Hand. Uh, he is our like third Patreon, I believe, or fourth Patreon uh, we have. Uh, we have Yuki Treats, uh, John Bertram, uh, Liam, again, Liam, Liam, um, Christian uh, from can do ADL or the Canadian, not in Canada. And we also have uh, John Hand. So I want to thank you guys for your support. Uh, your Patreon means a lot to me. Uh, even though I don't think I've actually turned it on yet to collect money out of almost stupidity. I'm not going to say laziness. I'm going to say stupidity. Um, so I am going to end up turning that on here really soon. And we got an email here I want to read. Um, this is from uh, Josh. Uh, hey, Dor, ET, all. Um, just wanted to let you know that you're doing a great job after 20 episodes. I would like it if there were more emails and questions asked. This is a community-driven show, and it takes a community to create it. If you're listening, it would be very beneficial to me, a new 3D printer user, and everyone else listening. If everyone listening can, um, contributes even a little bit, it would help everyone exp exponentially. It's like he's testing me. Uh, a Another great way to contribute is to donate on Patreon. There are currently seven contributors giving 12 a month. Thank you, Josh. Um, I am one of those, and I can promise you I don't have much money. As a matter of fact, I am con I am contributing in Canadian dollarettes, which comes to about 33 uh, Canadian dollars, 33% um, Canadian dollars. Help, help those that help you. If you're interested in getting into making and are not sure you want to invest the hardware, you can always check out your local makerspace. If you have never heard of a makerspace, use Google Machine to Bing it. It is a great way to get a close-up look at the hardware and meet people who are knowledgeable about many topics. Great show and all those listening, please let your presence be known through emails, voicemails, or donations. I know that as a member of the community, I would love to see more ac activity. No maker left behind from Guy in the Tub, Josh. Um, 
Again, the makers at podnuts.com. Voicemail number is 7076podnut. Uh, Patreon feed is uh, patreon.com slash the makers. Uh, you can go to any of those things and you can connect with us. If you would like to contact me directly, there are many ways to do that, including mail at podnuts.com or door door to geek at gmail.com. Breather time. Um, okay, we've we've seen software just like not make the cut. So what I'm going to ask each one going from the top down. Actually, I'm going to go from the bottom up. I'm going to change it up. Liam, what is your favorite piece of software? Oh, Jonas, Jonas, you're here. How you doing, Jonas? Have you done any uh, building, breaking, or learning? Oh, a little bit of building. Not really much breaking. Learned a little bit, I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, are any of them you would consider interesting or infamous? I would say um, making things out of TPU that you wouldn't think to make out of TPU. Oh, okay. Wait, you got me on thinking a little bit because I think I know what TPU could be useful. It's semi-flexible material that I think could be used in a, a, a lot of uh, places where you need movement, but not extreme movement. Yeah, basically squishy stuff. Yeah, when I was at um, PodFest Orlando, um, I actually did have one person of the opposite sex ask me if it was actually possible to make entertainment devices for her gender, to which I kind of walked away. <laughs> I didn't know you could see Depends on Switch. how rough you like a surface. <laughs> yeah, I want to meet her if she's into switches. <laughs> well, I mean, Jonas, you, you shared that adult toy you printed, didn't you? <laughs> I think that was your toy, the, no, uh, the no, hammer, the I believe it was. The little flexible snake you made. That's the Rubik's well, snake. What That's about a that puzzle, not a sexual toy. I, no, I'm sorry. I, I said adult toy. I meant, I didn't mean adult toy. <laughs> yeah, Liam didn't mean that. I, oh, I, of course, I get your mind out of the gutter. I'm in a Tesla. <laughs> the people in Orlando were um, interested in this show, and and, and I, I I did. They were a lot of people looked to see the, my 3D printed phone case. They were impressed by that. And of all the shows that I told them about on the Podnuts Network, this was the only one they really um, cared to listen to because none of them have Androids. <laughs> They're all iPhone people. We fixed that in short order, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> welcome back, or maybe not. Well, well, no. Here's the gimmick. The one thing that I can safely say this show offers that a huge, huge, absolutely huge percentage of other shows on any other network on any other topic does not offer is consistency. Every week, we basically have the same group of people on, which means you get to know these people. Not every week, a random person who you never heard of spouting things, trying to get you to buy things, and talking about topics that don't really relate to the exact initial point of the show. We want to not only self-educate through each other, but we want to also educate other people and get educated by them whenever possible. I just substituted your word educate with med medicate, and it sounded really fun, too. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, um, the email earlier made me think, like, anybody out there, like, definitely send in, email in any kind of questions, anything you want us to talk about, you know, or you want to hear about, or you're having problems with a printer or something like that, you know, definitely send stuff our way. It doesn't necessarily have to be 3D printing. I mean, that's, you know, probably more than half the show, but other stuff, too. 
I don't know if you, you were talking about you haven't set up payments on this patron yet, Dor, but um, like I mentioned on the show last night on the Android App Addict show, our patrons that are pledging over 5 bucks a month, I'm going to let them request something for me. I'm going to use it as my own learning. I'm, I'm gonna, they get to request a personalized item for me to 3D print and mail to them. Not only will they get you know a little something for for you know donating to the show, but I will also get experience in designing things because I don't always have the ideas in the top of my head that I want to print. So this will give me plenty of uh, ideas. And I and I, I, you know I, I did forewarn them that they they may relatively resemble what they want. They may not be uh, nearly close to what they're expecting because I'm not good at that yet. Uh, that's very nice of you, Eric. And I will say. Uh, I'm not sure if on this Patreon we have anybody doing over five. So that's what I got to do. I got to go into Patreon and make a uh, reward level to make it official that you get uh, something custom 3D designed and printed. And if you want to do a reward level of that, uh, uh, the Podnuts or the Makers Podnuts thing, the nut and headphone 3D print that I've been doing, I would more than well willing to print those out and send those out to people if they, whatever level you decide, you know. I got that uh, um, Podnuts-themed Raspberry Pi case. I, You know, one thing before we went to Orlando, I tried and tried and tried to design a coin to print out to take with me. I wanted to take like, you know, 75, 100 of them with me in a bag. I couldn't for the life of me get that done. <laughs> I just, I, that Fusion 360 and, and Tinkercad, I just, I, I just finally gave up. I'm like, you know what? Maybe next year I'll have them done by then. I just, I, everything I tried was failing, but that's how you learn. You have to fail a few times before you're going to get it right. That's, you're never going to get it the first time. Um, how many times did uh, Edison mess with the light bulb? I mean, come on. It's a it's a learning curve thing. How yeah, that's times? the best way to to learn most of this CAD design software and stuff is just to like I mean you can go through the lessons that show you how to extrude a cube and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't really stick until you try to make something. Like the best way is just to go, oh, I want to make this, and then pick up the software and mess up, you know, four or five times and figure out this bit because then you'll never forget it. You know, and mess up three or four more times trying to do some other bit, and then you figure it out. And yeah, it takes a while to get there, but then then you've learned it by the time you're done. You know. Yeah, and I did. I did get close. I did. Uh, I had Podnuts um, on a. It was a disc that had the word Podnuts, but I couldn't for life of me get the headphones and uh, the nut to print. Um, I can send you a DXF sketch for the shape. You can import into something and extrude it if you like. Yeah, I'll give it a try. I you know. You were saying, Chad. You know, well, you know, I, I get I get super uh, uh, inspired when I, you know, Elon Musk landed two of his rockets at once the first try. So I figured that, you know, I could at least print out a a coin, you know, third or fourth try. <laughs> That's pretty unrealistic for the average person, though. I mean, yeah. If I you were to take a look at my my three my my Fusion three sixty files, there is, yeah. I mean, the versioning is outrageous how many times it took me to make like certain things now it's not so bad but when i first started oh man it was terrible there'd be 50 different versions i'd start over because you'd you'd mess up somewhere in the beginning and it would look close enough 
and whatnot. And like I, I got an STL from a customer and he's like, oh, this is exactly what, just print this out. And I was like, okay, but you got all these weird like artifacts in there and stuff that he didn't even notice. And I ended up re redesigning it for him because it would have printed so weirdly because he had all these shapes where he started designing and it was messed up here and there. And then I just sent him my fusion file cause that's what he was using to design. And he's like, Oh, I didn't even know I could do it that way. You know? And it's just learning it. It's just learning it. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking yeah. earlier. I, I, I need to learn fusion. Um, you know, I, I never, I've been in computers my entire life. And I never thought that I would be the bottleneck, you know, on a 3D printed project. I figured there would be something. I, I, they, they do such a good job. The printers themselves do just fine. I, I never thought that I would be the bottleneck <laughs> in a computer to a printer. I, you know, I've never looked at it that way. But, yeah, it's definitely Pebcac all the way. Yeah, I'm kind of always the bottleneck, it feels like. I was actually speaking of versioning. I was just looking at uh, the version of this PC case I'm working on, and I'm on version 399, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> it takes a while wow. to get stuff right. Wow. Yeah, I'm about to hit 400. Yeah, and if anybody's familiar with the software, it's going to be James. I mean, he that's that's his business, and we make mistakes. We all do. Don't get discouraged. Just keep going. That's all there is to it. Just keep I pushing. regularly discover I wasted a day and a half of work because I, I did something that downstream didn't quite work out right, and I got to redo it all. Yeah, yeah well, but well, my... every failure you have is saving you at least that much time in the future. Or if it's Absolutely, not, you're not yeah. learning right. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the Definitely. first thing I designed probably took me half a day, and then I saved it and opened a new file and redid it in probably an hour. Yeah, yeah, the right that's way. Kind of how it goes. Like the learning curve is steep but fast. Like if that makes sense. Like it's you know, the first time you do it, it's really hard just to wrap your head around it. By the third time you do it, it's second nature. It's, it's just a, you know, like the struggle kind of makes it the things you learn stick in your mind fairly well. Definitely. Yeah. That's uh, I, I and I and I will catch on. And um, having my wife learning Illustrator is going to help too. I'm, I'm just that's my that's my grand hope too. I'm, like, so. oh, she, I'm just going to be like, oh, I, I don't have to fail too many times because she's going to come and save me, you know. But no, I'm I I, 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 I want to get off of Tinkercad and move on to 360. I, I, I feel like I've uh, I'm I'm cheating myself out of not just staying in the 360 um, uh, interfaces. I tell you what, I would Maker's love to Muse. See. Sorry, go ahead. I tell you what I'd love to see from you, James, is a guide on how you take damaged files or models and just kind of rudimentarily repair them for printing. And then another thing I'd love to see is how you take something that's analog and convert it into the digital space. Oh, yeah, sure. Actually, um, yeah, I forgot to mention, I just got a, a little 3D scanner um, last week that I backed on Kickstarter like a year and a half ago. It's only a year late. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, is this uses the one that's... your phone camera and a laser? Yeah, is this the one that was like heavily uh, chrome looking? Uh, it's it's like a gray anodized aluminum. Um, it's a little cylinder with like this clip thing for your phone sticking out the side. It's called Eora 3D. Yeah, I um, think you mentioned that it was on its way last show, but I, I didn't know yeah, that you got it. I think it. I mentioned it at some point. Um, but yeah, I I kind of given up on it and it came in and. Uh, 
the scans are real high resolution. Um, accuracy's yeah, you know, better than I'd expect for the money. It's not great, <clears throat> but like, <clears throat> sorry, if were you, you were able to, sculpt to uh... something or have something you wanted to copy with like an organic shape? It's comp it's definitely accurate enough to do that. Were you yeah. able to use it in a project yet? I haven't used it in any projects. I've just still been kind of getting to know the thing. The software is still alpha. The software is still very half-baked. Like half the features they're planning aren't there yet and everything. But, you know, they update the software and add some new little thing every week or so. So, but uh, yeah, I was pretty impressed with the hardware. I mean, it's not quite as good as they claim on the website. But it for, I think, I think it was like 375 bucks to back it. And it's probably as good as scanners I've used that were $4,000, so I can't complain. Wow. You can still pre-order it today for 319 on the on the website, and it includes the Bluetooth turntable. Uh, it Sounds like a DJ like equipment. Yeah, there's a little turntable you can set. Uh, that that You can get the Bluetooth turntable, but it, you can only use it if you're on iOS. The Android app still doesn't have the Bluetooth functionality. Fail, fail, <laughs> fail. Yeah. Bluetooth is Bluetooth, man. I know, I know. But yeah, it's, I mean, literally, like, there's whole menus missing and stuff still. It's still, I, like, I would wait a year and then, like, buy one. Like, if you don't mind tinkering with stuff, like, the actual scanner hardware is very good for the money. I'll give them that. Um, like, they tout the high resolution in the scan uh, almost as if it's high accuracy. There's a big difference between resolution and accuracy. Uh -huh. Um, I scanned some one, two, three blocks and stuff and measured the STLs to see if they're, you know, to measurement and everything. They're closer than I'd expect for 400 bucks. They're not, um, you know, you're not going to use this in manufacturing or anything, but like, uh, for the, the haunted house stuff, I help out with the escape games guys, like could totally, you know, have one of them build a clay face for a mask or something and scan it and then, you know. 3d print uh, mold for it or something like that very neat man that's cool I, um you 3d can you 3d your own head or do you have to have your you're not going to detach to set on the turntable oh no you can 3d whatever it doesn't have to be on the turntable but you'd want to keep your eyes closed it shoots a laser at you <laughs> <laughs> there's like this green line of laser light that scans across the object and your phone's camera picks the reflected light back up and that's how it scans it's like a photogrammetry type scanner um so like your phone just connects to it via bluetooth and uh you just kind of put your phone in this clip and like you, you it doesn't have to be on the table it'll it'll scan like still objects you just might have to set it up and do a few different angles um but supposedly it scans up to like a uh, you know a three or four foot cube of volume but Beyond like two feet, you kind of start to see the quality drop off. Is, is the software like when you take a panorama, a panorama photo with your phone where it like tells you kind of where you need to move your phone for the next shot as you go along? Or is no, it just like free flowing? No, it just literally scans the place it's at when you hit the scan button, it scans there. Now, so you'd wind up with three or four different meshes you'd want to stitch together in some other software. Or if it's on the turntable, it'll do one like rotational kind of continuous mesh. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, but 400 bucks, like to get something that would actually tie separate scans together, like in the software as you go, that's, that's, that's not gonna, you know, that's, you're talking 
you know, functionality that costs thousands just in software. Is sure. Web or resident for the processing? Oh, it's, 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 a, it's, um, local. Yeah. Your phone gets hot. <laughs> it's local, which is kind of nice. Cause you don't have to have like good signal and all that stuff. Yeah. Ever, all the processing is local, which I really like. Um, I mean, it'll go through your phone battery in a hurry though. <laughs> but oh i should uh, i should post some of the stuff i've been doing with it that's it's cool like because they're full like color obj files um you can export them as obj's and stls and plys and stuff but like the full color obj files look really good i mean they look dead on you know they pick up text on surfaces and stuff like that like really well would this be something you'd use if you wanted? I, I see on Thingiverse a lot of low poly um, models of of different things. Would this be something you could come out with some newer low poly items? Would be is this kind of where it would go with it? Well, um, yeah, basically it's a very high resolution scan. It is very very high poly um, the initial scan, but um, you could take that scan into like a mesh mixer. Um, or, you know, some effusions tools or moto or something like that and bump it down to a low poly scan. Um, actually you were talking about file repair earlier. A lot of times that, um, is a really good way to repair, um, bad STLs is just bump the resolution down a tiny bit. So they're just a little lower poly and, you know, you erase a bunch of mistakes. You lose a little bit of detail that way, but, uh, it's quick and it's easy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could, you could definitely make some cool kind of low poly stuff with it. Uh, that's not a bad idea. I should have some fun with that. There's a quick video on how to take a existing file and, uh, bring it low poly. Oh, thanks Liam. Both, um, Tom Salander and Maker's Muse have done some recent videos on low poly stuff. I think Tom had the series of using a blender to change filters um, several different ways and then Maker's Muse just finished up I think a six-part fusion tutorial that goes through all the geometric stuff you can do to a mesh to give you a different kind of um, you know output like you can he was taking a, a bunny model and turning it into rods so it basically looked like the rod was uh, the bunny was made of rods and the outer skin was not there so you basically infill it with something and then remove the skin and then you, your pattern is the infill. Oh, yeah. I can kind of see what you're saying there, yeah. So if you had, like, your hexagon cubes of uh, of infill, like you normally have on Cura or whatever, if you imagine that without the outer skin and you just printed your shape, your your thing would still be in the shape of the rabbit, but you just wouldn't have the skin on it. So you'd get a weird kind of, you know, like faceted version yeah yeah faceted lattice. thing yeah there you go the lattice so he was playing with a bunch of different things with that that's pretty neat yeah that's a that's a good way to look at it very cool very cool uh did anyone have any other topics that they uh wanted to bring up i wanted to check in on a project you had started to start the uh build surface removable well it's going completely on schedule <laughs> which means if i lean over i have my three build plates sitting right here not yet connected to anything um i do have the magnet cut um here's a quick tip or a quick advisory 
when you're cutting this magnet, best thing to do that I can tell is at least like using a exacto knife kind of tool to cut. I have ruined lots of desktops, lots of countertops, and lots of other surfaces using a exacto knife to cut things. So for the incomplete noob, what would be the best way for them to take something like that and cut it? Because my logic is you got to find a piece of like scrap wood or something, something to put underneath it to cut it. The best thing is those cheap plastic like cutting boards from a dollar store or something. Like they're like a big chunk of nylon or something like that. The ones and that you can, can like roll up forever. Um, yeah, yeah I like the roll ones up, you but can there's some stiff ones too. Ones. They're just this big slab of plastic. I used what you and you can cut on those things forever before they start to get all jagged and stuff. What they're great jagged? for cutting that stuff. That's a self healing hobby mat. Yeah. Worth the ten dollars at Walmart. Great. Yeah. Or you can get them at all the craft store, like the craft, like the fabric stores have them. They're all over the place. I can't say I've ever heard of it. Self healing hobby mat. Oh, yeah, Usually, yeah. it's going to be in the fabric aisle. You use a rotary um, wheel cutter. Yeah, wheel roll cutter. across it. Almost sounds like a new superhero name. <laughs> yeah. What's nice about it is if you gouge them, mat. then you just take the heat gun to it and. It, they kind of heal themselves. So they're great. I use it all the time. Side note, apparently you need to give them a bath every six to eight months to retain their healing and malleableness. I Powers. I, I, ran, I read that. I got That's why I read that. every six to eight months. <laughs> but that's <laughs> supposed to help them hold up. Well, I got to order me one of those things because I don't have one. Um, so what I'm going to ask you guys to do is whoever thinks they have got the best link, just go ahead and drop a link to me in some shape, way, or form, and I'll make sure that the link to that is in the notes. I just got mine at Walmart. I don't know. Yeah, what you got to get to Walmart, man. I hate even walking in Walmart. Oh, God, I can't if, stand going to if Walmart. If I can pay twice as much online for somebody else, I'll do that. Try an uh, office supply and look in the, yeah, um, the door on that one. Like the drafting tools Same. area, like where the rulers are and stuff. That's why I got my wife for Christmas this year, and I didn't go to any stores. Went to Amazon, found it, clicked it, bought it, done. I think it was like fifteen bucks. A self-healing mat. That's what you got her. Yeah, it was bigger than what he has. It's a craft. Day? They're just called craft cutting mats. Uh, yeah, like what quilting. is it? Frisk or something or something. Fisk or something is that Fisker the name of this one? Fisker. Yeah. yeah. Fisker ones. There's Fiskar, there's Olfa. That's what Walmart sells is a Fiskar one, so. I picked up a couple from Hobby King. Nice and cheap. Yeah, your Hobby Lobby's gonna have um Michael's, any of those hobby stores are gonna have them, because they're for cutting fabrics, you know? Gotcha. Well, I, I, I cut it, and my excuse for the cut looking horrible is... When I lay it down, it'll be very easy for me to tell which way the magnet should face because they need to face in the right direction to get the right magnetic field. That's my excuse for having an absolutely pathetic cut. But the other reason why I don't care if it's a pathetic cut is I'm not going to ever, I never print that close to the edge of my printer. My printer prints a wide enough bed that I don't really worry about it. So I am going to do it, but here's the thing, Liam. You, I think, instructed me pretty well on how to do this thing. But when I did look for it, I didn't see anybody doing any level of documentation on how to do this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to at least take some pictures when I do it so I can put it in like how Jonas makes the photo albums and then uh, link to them in the show notes. I want to do a quick photo album of here's the bed, here's the glass. I take off the glass, here's the magnet, here's how I put the magnet down, 
here's the next magnet, here's the bed uh, adhesion part, here's how I connect that, and then I line it up and I put it down. I, I actually want to document it a little bit. Um, there's little about it that I'm, you know, not confident that I'm going to be able to do right. The only thing I'm going to have to pay attention to is once I get everything together is to once again adjust the Z correctly so it's a good so it's the correct distance away from the bed because there's no doubt in my mind the two magnets and the bed adhesion lay, layer is going to be thinner than what I have in glass right now yeah absolutely um but that's a simple i mean you just home it and raise the raise the bed a little is that bed material something that you could then cut with like a rotary cutter is it that uh easy to use or to work with you think the or do you need to magnet or the the actual the thing he's holding yeah the thing he's holding um i would i've cut one up i used a pair of scissors on that instead of trying to cut it with a, a razor knife use one of those paper cutters with the big long blade you can get those pretty cheap yeah the slicer the yeah the paper the, slicers yeah or guillotine style yeah exactly. oh gotcha okay oh and like going back to these mats they're perfect for what we do um especially if you're going to take a picture of something and show somebody something because it's oh, got yeah. the scale right on there the one inch scale and then it's got these dots every quarter inch and it's just a perfect little scaling unit yeah i will say i would like the idea of having one of those mats with uh, embedded rulers the way i put it so i can at least uh, have that as well so i, I will yeah they're painted on there and most yeah. of them are double-sided as well. Um, getting back around to the actual mat itself, mine is still printing beautifully. I'm still on the original one. I still have one spare prepped for the CR10. I have another one set up on the... I have it on the Wanho. I think I have it on the Wanho, um, which I haven't been printing with lately either. But um, I haven't had to sand it and re-prep the surface. I just I print the thing. As soon as it's done, I don't wait for nothing to cool down. I just peel it off there. Flex it out, flex it in, parts off, put it back on, and start the next print. It's I, the thing's been great. I gotta try these things. I've been thinking about. It. I've just got most most of my printers are running constantly. I've got one that runs constantly for one customer, pretty much twenty four seven. As soon as I can pull a part off, I've got to set another part, which is a really nice problem to have. Yeah, that's great, Chad. That's <laughs> um, awesome. And then the one that I got from Aaron's um, Aaron's friend that he couldn't get going, I got that going. Um, and that was just some – I should probably talk about that a little bit. Um, there wasn't anything majorly wrong with it. It was just some minor little wiring issues. And well, This was an um, A-net, correct? Yeah, it was an A-net. <clears throat> um, and it prints perfectly right now. I mean, I use it as – um, not as much as my Delta. My Delta is for the real pretty things that got to be real pretty. They don't have to be like precise sized because my Delta does have an issue of where it doesn't want to print things to actual size. There's a tolerance issue on that thing that I'm not really happy with that I've been trying to tweak out of it. But that A net that I got from Aaron that prints all my PLA that's got to be two size so like if i'm making a case for a raspberry pi or something like that i use that because it's it makes it perfect to size it's and it prints perfectly his his biggest problem was that <clears throat> his thermistor um or the temperature sensor 
wasn't was getting shorted out so and it wasn't secured into the heat block very well so you know i think that's a big thing with my any printer make sure you're everything's secured in you know <laughs> those sensors have to touch metal to to know what the actual temperature is you know so silicone them in epoxy them in um thermos use um uh, thermal paste, whatever it is, so that, that heat can transfer to that sensor. And that was his major problem with that printer. I almost want to send it back to him because it's like, it works perfectly. I have no issues with it now. Just a few little tweaks that somebody that's ran these things knows, you know. Um, it It's kind of sad that he got out of it because of some little, little tweaks that, you know, and a lot of the tweaks we had told Aaron to try to t talk to him about, but it just never, either he didn't, it didn't get transferred right or whatever. I don't know, but it's working great. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you, nice. I don't know. I'm not sure Aaron had the time to literally hold the guy's hand completely. The guy was a very much of a noob, which is why whenever I hear someone brand, brand, brand new getting into this, I'm almost tempted to say never get an A net unless you have a lot of time to be able to set aside. Yeah. Some printers just aren't for beginners. And, you know, it's like I got a Robo 3D older printer and it prints great, prints fine. If you're not willing to tinker with it and fix it and tweak it and stuff like that, it's, you know, it's not the printer for you. You know, prints great, but, uh, yeah, you know, you need to know when, you know, you got that, that stepper motor that's a little under volted or something like that and be able to diagnose it because, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, you're not going to take it out of the box and hit go and print stuff. It's just not going to happen with some models of printer. Printers oh, that are like houses. I mean, you can buy one that's done and ready and it's going to be super expensive or you can buy one that's going to be less expensive and you're going to spend a lot of time getting it how you want. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think reviews are kind of misleading on these printers. Like, I give the ANET, I'd give it a five star. But with a caveat that you have to be willing to tinker on it, you know? Um, I think there needs to be a skill, like a standardized skill level rating for these printers, you know? It's like, um, I would give the ANET, you need to, you need to have some tinkering skills. Now, like the CR10, not as much. And look at Dory. He's almost, you know, he's getting this stuff down really well. He's almost not even a noob anymore. You know, he, he's, he's, he's getting this stuff really well. Um, the Ender, I don't quite know what the skill level you need for that and different things. I mean, there should be a, st we, I don't know, somebody should come up with like a skill level setting for these printers. Uh, as a noob, I would say the uh, Ender 2 is a skill level 11 as far as noobs go. On the hardness scale, it's easy as it could possibly be. Well, I, I take it back. There, there's about, there is some construction. If you've ever done an erector set, this will be no problem. If you've never, if you, if you ever have done an erector set, if you haven't ever put nothing together, then maybe I guess you need some kind of box with one plug that goes into the wall and, the, you know, I don't, Maybe maybe two maybe USB port too, um, like a I don't know some some kind of a maker box or something. But I I'm super super happy and uh, 
being somebody who's never 3D printed, um, super happy with with the Ender 2 for the price and everything. It's great. Well, for everybody talking about the CR10 and how easy it is, the Ender 2 is just as easy as the CR10 except for the power supply. And all that is is you get the plastic, you wires to the plastic cover, and you screw wires on, and you slip a cover on. That's really the only difference between the CR10 and the Ender 2. They're just they're just equally as easy, in my opinion. Yeah, um, that kind of I've been offering a service, and I've gotten three people so far to that I've got. They've ordered printers. Um, one guy I'm gonna help him assemble it, and the other ones they just want somebody to help them walk through a couple prints and it it you know for you pay me fifty dollars you know to come help you out and whatever after the first hour you know i've got a rate um not a bad deal you know they they're guaranteed that somebody's going to be there to help them out and get stuff going and i've gotten a lot of good response from people that want somebody to help them walk them through these are guys that are interested in it but aren't computer guys they're not mechanical guys they're not whatever i got a guy that owns a restaurant he wants it for whatever reason and one guy that he wants it for his kids so i'm going to go and help train him and his kids yeah and it's just there is different levels we're all computer guys we're all tech kind of guys we're all diy type guys and not everybody out there is. I mean, it's it's still a little barrier to entry on 3D printing. I, I think even even a, an experienced builder would appreciate your help for the settings, just to dial it in a little bit. You know, that's because that could save him days or hours at least um, in that part by having you who's seen it all at least once to to help him because he's never seen it to get through that. Exactly, and that's what I'm. Consultant. <laughs> well, and that's the service I'm offering. Exactly, is somebody that's printed for a while, somebody that knows the printers, somebody that can help you fix a printer if it breaks. And why why not offer that service? I mean, what the heck? My my printer didn't print that great until Josh gave me his settings. So Josh, you maybe consider yourself a noob, but you greatly helped out this noob because my printer printed three hundred times better after you gave me the settings you were using. I definitely think uh, the big issue with the YouTubers, one, they're in it, and they do it, and they know it, so they don't know what they don't know they know, or you know what I'm saying, and they're not setting expectations properly for people that have never printed. That's managing expectations, 100%. Dude, this one would be good good. for grandma, this one would be good for the kid that lives in in his basement and tears apart everything, this one's good for your little brothers that's in between these two people. Well, it's just like we were talking in, in Voxer. It's all about your foundation. Are you starting from, I can turn a computer on? Are you starting from, I can build a computer? Are you starting from, I have built a house? Where are you starting from? And YouTubers and a lot of people like, they're thinking, okay, this guy can figure out slicing. They can figure out how to put a printer together. Let's go and explain it. They tend to forget that, okay, maybe I can do this X, Y, and Z, but how did you get that finish on your print without having to do anything afterwards how did you get whatever that is the foundation they're forgetting nice yeah well put yeah i'll I'll say to me in typical youtube fashion the only thing they can say is well get good they can't offer a lot of the people i've seen cannot offer any actual uh, assistance to somebody 
in basic terms that anybody could understand. To hearken back to Richard Feynman, Richard Feynman said, "If you do not understand something to, to the to the to the degree to be able to explain it in small bite-sized portions that anybody can understand, then you don't understand it yourself." And a lot of these YouTubers just take take for granted. You even know what a slicer is. And the newest of the new person, the idea of a slicer makes no sense whatsoever unless you were printing on old 286 computers and where you had to take your actual thing you wanted to print and you had to put it through Postgres type of thing. These concepts and ideas are, are very foreign to a lot of people. And that's one of the things I honestly think that this show does really good is breaking a lot of things down into manageable portions. Well, what I've found is people like they can find this show aren't people I'm putting my service out to, you know, for the helping them print. It's more of the dad that their kid shows interest in whatever and he don't know how to help them. You know, yeah, that's what I've got. I, I get a lot of that too. Actually, so I just did that. Called me up and was like, I can't get my kid's printer to work. <laughs> Right, and what I'm going to be doing is actually next week, I'm going to be meeting with my first consultant. The guy's got the printer built. We've set up a time. I'm going to go there. I've got a list of software. I've got a list of, uh, I'm going to bring some STLs. I'm going to show him where to get some stuff, what, how to find it. I've got a little sheet written up, um, and I'm working, still working on it, refining it. And, uh, just because, and it gives him the safety. When I talked to him, he wasn't going to buy one for his kid because he just, what if it breaks down? He doesn't know what to do with it. So I also, also am offering to these people a service of fixing printers and stuff, helping them out with that end of it, you know? And I think that's missing the, the service end of it. Now, granted, it's going to be more like in computers and in 10 years, uh, this service is not going to be needed. You know what I mean? Walmart's going to have this service. You know, it's going to be big box store service. You know, it's going to be a big box store thing, box store thing. But right now, it's needed out there if people want are interested in it, but just don't even know where to start. Because you buy a cheap Chinese printer, you're going to get that cheap Chinese software. And you think that's the only software you can use on it. And that's the biggest thing with printers is people think that when they buy these printers, that's the only software that they can use with it. And it's not true. So that's what I'm kind of trying to get out there to these people. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 think, know, uh, I know how they feel. I've, I, I, used, I used to have a vinyl cutter that was all in Chinese, but uh, we, we, we trudged through it and made some, some Podnut stickers for uh, OLF one year. But and, and then, and you know, and then that it was in my shop at the time. This guy uh, had had wanted to make vinyl graphics for a car, and this printer was so cheap. He, he got the printer, the the cutter, cheaper than he could have bought the vinyl. You know, so no brainer, right? Just do that. Yeah, I don't think he's ever cut any vinyl on it, and uh, I'm sure when he took it back from me when I sold my shop, it's never been touched and still sitting in a garage somewhere. Well, three D printers are definitely at this point that everybody knows they're a thing. Everybody knows you can buy them. Everybody thinks you can use them, but I mean, printers, what, 70s, early, mid, mid, early 70s came, came, came about, but we're still, 
in that stage where they're not really even quite a well, they're becoming a hobbyist thing. But this is back. This is like when cars became available and people knew about them back then. You had to be a mechanic. You had to be able to do maintenance on the thing. You had to be able to drive. I mean, there's so many different things you have to be able to do. You can't just get in and and you know tell your Tesla go to Walmart. It's we're, we're not to that point with the printers yet. You know, um, we'll we'll get there at some point, but the, we we're we're trudging through that right now. We're like model oh, T versions right than now. It was when I started, I, I started messing around with printers and 3D printing in 2003, 2004. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, and like uh, I did a lot of uh, defense work, and you know they always spend the money on the latest technology. So the military 3D print stuff and you know the model stuff they wanted us to make, and you know we go back and forth with the printing engineers. It was like two engineers and a technician to freaking print something and it would screw up, you know, four times during a print. And uh, the quality wasn't as good as what I've got like printing in my garage now, you know, on wow. yeah, like $50,000 machines. <laughs> it's well, come a long way. It has come a long way. Uh, five years from now, you know, it'll totally just be like, you know, they'll be just as buggy and annoying as uh, normal printers are now actually yeah contrary to your argument maybe they'll never quite work because i still have a to yet to find a 2d printer i actually like <laughs> Those have been okay, okay. forever right. yeah I've had nobody my, has the 35 dollar canon from walmart has always been my favorite but then you buy a replacement ink for yeah, it's 50 no you just buy a new MFC brother laser don't do inkjet ever again oh you know what i i do have a color laser brother um um printer that I, I do racist. like well i <laughs> you have a collar brother printer what he's got lasers though so it's cool <laughs> not laser i'm sorry i didn't add laser <laughs> no but i think right now for 3d printers we are in the model t version of printers uh henry ford i want to be able to put a car in every garage or in everybody's driveway type deal who cares what the quality is it's the best we can do at the time now we have Teslas. I mean, I think the timeline's going to be a lot faster to where if we're going to have 3D printers in our houses and stuff, I mean, everybody. I think I think we're right at the forefront of a big change in how products are bought and sold. Is eventually, you may just be buying STLs and making your own stuff. What? Yeah, or, or buying them, like they're, you know, buying rights to something and you just go to the Amazon print shop a block away and pick up your freshly printed item, you know, with five different materials in it and, you know, whatever. It's, it's I mean, it really is just the, the open sourceness and the ability to easily share and community eyes things that are pushing it forward and getting things to where they are. I mean... Freaking look at Prusa over there, what he's doing for a sub thousand dollar machine and all of the technology that's in that thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, Prusa has, I think, on his back, from what I can tell, has moved this market. Uh, we need uh, more people to be like him. I think we're making a great pace. I think we are making a great pace from what I've seen. And I haven't seen nothing, but I think the pace we're making right now is really substantial. 
And in just three years, in five years, in eight years, in eight years, I don't know if I'm going to be able to recognize what's going on because I think it's going to be ubiquitous. Like how in the beginning, people didn't even comprehend driving. Then, you know, all of a sudden, everyone understands the basics of driving. I think that's going to be the way that uh, 3D printing is going to be here very soon, where people are just going to take for granted certain things that when they look at, they're going to go into a place like a restaurant, for instance, and they have custom napkin holders. Oh, they were 3D printed. Isn't that nice? They're small batch, organically grown, uh, you know, locally sourced in the guy's back, 3D printing kind of thing. I think it's only a matter of time. Well, I don't even think, I think that's a small end of it. <clears throat> look how many houses now, like different companies are 3D printing houses. I mean, they're, they're putting 3D printers on these, um, or the, the, the software and the technology is being used on these pumper trucks to do 3D printing. Basically, they're pumping out concrete as the medium and making houses. I mean, geez. Yeah, they're doing all kinds of concept models now. And I think there's a company in China that's about to roll it out commercially. Yeah, I mean, they just set not up like as two it... rails on site and, yeah, have a concrete truck sitting there. Stick well, the printer on the rails, and away you go. You may not have a 3D printer in your house, but your house may have been built by one. You know, it's it's it, <laughs> uh, it's just crazy. Uh, it, All it is is scaled up versions of what we're doing now. You know, it's just scale it up. Very cool, very cool, guys. Uh, we are over well over an hour, at least I'll say. Is there any links that anyone uh, uh, wanted to definitely bring up before we dropped off? Okay, uh, the next thing I'll say is just down the line. Does anyone have uh, just a quick tip to give uh, either the newest of the newest user or the most advanced of the most advanced user that they might not know? Um, Chad, I'm going to start with you. Do you have just something quick that you think, think of? Yeah, biggest thing with any print is your first layer. That is going to be your biggest biggest hurdle is getting that first layer, di first layer dialed in. And from there... The printer's going to do the rest. So just worry about your first layer. That's that's your key. Very cool, very cool. And what little I know, I have to agree with that. Because when I know it's a good start, I know it can be a good ending. Uh, hey, Eric, do you have any uh, quick tips you want to give out? You're muted. Uh, yeah, I forgot to press it. If you guys don't, if you don't have the fancy build plates, um, purple glue stick works really good for me. Uh, very cool, very cool. Hey, hey, James, do you have any uh, quick last-minute tips? I'll agree with Eric on that one. That's what I use is purple glue stick. I'm going to switch over to the fancy plates one of these days, though. Um, pay very close attention to where you stick your decimal points when you're uh, running a CNC mill. I can say that. It's a painful lesson. Making a 2.7-inch uh, hole uh, into a 27-inch hole isn't fun. That sounds very plausible to me. Uh, Jonas, do you have any uh, last second things? I would say don't be afraid to use a higher or lower temperature compared to what the manufacturer says on the spool that you get because that can make a big difference in the look of the print and how easily it prints or if it sticks or doesn't stick on that first layer. Very cool, very cool. Uh, Josh, do you have anything you want to do, talk about? Uh, this is for Eric. If you're using um, glue stick on that ender, glue that whole damn plate just cover it if your prints are coming off and then let that glue bake into the thing and you'll never use it again um I, they give you a glue stick with it and at first i'm like yeah i'll put glue on there 
I think all these guys like uh, you, you do realize you don't use glue on that. Yeah, too freaking late. And then I realized I just let that glue sit on there, kind of bake into that thing. And I have not used glue sticks since. Actually, my edges are all crusty from the old glue on it. Um, and everything sticks beautifully now. Well, sometimes I use, uh, if I'm not using like a raft for the first layer, that glue, that that, that matted up glue that's on there over the layers, uh, that, that kind of smooths out my first layer if it's not perfect for me. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. kind of takes up some of the slack. <laughs> yeah. Filling in the gaps. Because that, that is one thing of the Ender 2. It's not a perfectly flat build plate from the factory. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Liam, do you have any last-second tips or advice? When you're having problems, just always go back to your basics. And uh, your number one basic should be reach out to your community. Don't do this by yourself. Um, have a group that you can get a hold of when stuff goes sideways because you're, you're going to get layer shifts. The makers at podnest.com reach out will help. My last, my uh, stupid tip is uh, for you noobs and noobs out there with multiple rolls of filament and don't have infrastructure auto, uh, uh, installed to handle the multiple rolls things, just at least get gallon Ziploc bags. Get a box of those things because you're going to have more than one roll of filament. And when, and when one isn't being used, stick it in a Ziploc bag, make it last a lot longer. Um, three beers in, I got to stop the show. I got to visit the latrine. <laughs> uh, I want to thank everyone for their support. I want to thank everyone for coming out. I want to thank everyone for their patience with my email curation. I'm getting better. That's all we can do. The only constant in this universe is change, and I'm doing everything I can to try to get better. Uh, we will hopefully talk to everyone again in about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>